If you're a runner who's felt held back from the joys of running due to an injury, surgery, or diagnosis, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Legacy Running, where we'll be sharing return to run info, insight, and inspirational stories to show you how to win back your happy place and build your legacy. Thanks for joining. Now on to the show. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good. How are you? I am well. How's your Thursday been so far? Um, so far so good. Yeah, it's um, let's see, it's starting to finally get warm in Chicago. So that's nice. um, that's that's good to hear. I'm coming to Chicago in like two weeks, and sometimes my I don't know plane gets canceled because there's still snow this time of year. Oh, are are you coming for the Shamrock Shuffle? No, just for fun. I'm gonna. I'm from Chicago, so I'm gonna go back and see some of my girlfriends. Oh, okay. Very cool. Yeah. Yes, yes. Are you running the Shamrock Shuffle? So actually, I don't. I haven't decided. Like I was telling you, like I'm actually having um, dental surgery tomorrow. Oh, that's right. Okay. Long story. Um, anyway, when I was 11, got my front tooth knocked out. Um, so I have to actually have like the tooth now pulled and have an implant put in. Mm. Um, so kind of a bummer. So I, I'm not yet sure, you know, if I'll do it kind of depends on how I feel. Yeah. But. Yeah. That would kind of be a wait and see how you feel thing for sure. Yeah. But it's an awesome race. I really want to, like I've done it the last like three, four years. Yeah. Um, so nice. Yeah, the racing energy in Chicago is really unparalleled. I love racing in Chicago. Yeah, and I mean, race, it, there's, it's like as big as like the marathon in some ways, not like the crowd, but you know, like there's like thousands of people that run it um, and it's the start and finish are right where the marathon start and finish are too. So, yeah. That is awesome. Well, hopefully you can get out there. Um, but let's get started. I would love to just know a little bit more about you. Like what's your practice? Where do you, I mean, you live in Chicago, um, but what do you do for fun and how does running kind of fit into that? Yes. So yeah, live in Chicago. Um, I work part-time at university of Chicago medicine, um, and our, um, PT ortho residency and then manual therapy fellowship. And then, yeah, I have um, class PT and performance um, with um, an emphasis like you on treating endurance athletes um, with hip issues. And then I also really enjoy the performance coaching aspect, um, coaching for running and triathletes um, and kind of bridging that gap of like getting, you know, back from injury, now back to racing, back to performing. I did not know that you also taught. That is amazing. Thanks. Yeah, I, I, uh, it's something I really enjoy doing, working yeah. with, you know, as I think stems from a lot of, so I've been out of school now 11 years. Um, yeah. I enjoy kind of helping newer grads um, learn all the things that I know. <laughs> I wish I, you know, yeah. like all the things, just know so much more, yes. you know, ever out of school. Um, and I can tell you in some ways how that kind of like relates to my hip and, um, like the trajectory of my career. Um, I don't know if you want me to jump into that. Yeah. 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 
go for it. I would love to hear that. Sure. So, yeah. So, um, let's see. Graduated in 2012 from physical therapy school. Um, and then at that time, so taking a step back, so I played college soccer, always loved to run, um, got into marathons when I was a senior in college. Um, my sister had convinced me, like, hey, you know, run the Go St. Louis Marathon with me. Um, so we did. And then I was, like, instantly hooked. And then kind of the goal became, like, I wanted to qualify for Boston. Yes. Um, like, coming within minutes of doing so. Long story short, was, like, running a lot after college, um, not doing as much training as it should have been. So around, like, 2013, so it was kind of a year out of PT school, um, and had just ran, you know, like, six marathons um, in, like, four to five years. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, at that point, like, my hip was hurting. Um, but again, being a newer grad, like I didn't know that much about FAI, about labral tears, um, was kind of running through it, hoping like, okay, maybe this will go away. Um, and then in 2014, I actually moved to Baltimore to start a physical therapy residency um, at Johns Hopkins. And then that's when it was kind of becoming like a limiting factor. And so I ended up getting an MRI um, and that's when things kind of like spiraled from there. So the MRI was actually ordered, um, by a sports med doc, um, to rule out a stress fracture okay. just because I had like, the pain for so long. Yeah. Um, the news was, was not a stress fracture, but then yeah, it showed like incidental findings of a labral tear and cam and pincer morphology. Okay. So at that point, um, I, again, like, it, uh, and even in the research world of FAI and labral tears, like, there were only a few kind of consensus papers out at this time, right? So there wasn't, yeah. you know, a lot of research out there. Um, so I guess kind of in my mind and based on what I had seen previously in the clinic, I thought, oh, like, of course, this needs surgery, yeah. you know? And so um, I go to see the surgeon and... I guess stop me if you have any questions yes. or like, if this is good. This is so good. I love it. I'm eating it up. Okay. So then I go to, um, see this surgeon in DC and the first thing is I regret, um, I went alone. So this is when I was like in my like mid twenties and I wish I would not have alone, you know, cause it's just, I think it's, you need somebody there to go with you. Yep. Um, and then went there, like had my imaging and kind of within like five minutes of, um, meeting me, like, of course, holds up the imaging is like, oh, you have this labral tear, you have cam pincer impingement, like, you, you need this hip arthroscopy. Um, and I can remember just like, instantly kind of like, just start started like crying, yep. because you're walking even as, as a PT, you know, and so that's, that's where it's like, I reflect on that a lot that even like me, someone who's in healthcare, like this still kind of happened to me. Yeah. Uh, and so then I remember like asking, well, I'm run marathons. Like, can I keep running or, you know, and I remember like the surgeon's like, oh, you have, you have to stop running. You need this surgery or you'll end up getting a hip replacement. Like yeah. kind of all the things at once. Um, and then I feel like I kind of just um, rushed into getting 
like the diagnostic injection. So yeah. that's another thing I wish I, I would not have done like on the same day, like, you know, same appointment. I remember like, we can offer you this injection. And like, next thing you know, I got it. Um, and it did not really make a difference in my pain, which is another reason why I eventually like did not go on to have surgery. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so um, from there, I leave this appointment kind of thinking like, you know, shoot, I need this major surgery, yeah. I have to stop running. And like, really kind of had like, catastrophizing thoughts yes. from yes. this experience. And um, also at the same time was like, in this residency program and not really wanting them to kind of find out what is going on. So um, trying to like deal with this all on the side. Yeah. And was actually doing physical therapy at a, a clinic, not at Hopkins where I was doing my residency. So an outside yeah. clinic. Um, but like that, their like emphasis was actually on just like, let's get you strong for surgery. Like didn't really kind of bring up this idea that, hey, maybe you can get back to running without surgery. Yes. Yeah. So then luckily, um, like one of my mentors in the program um, stepped in and was like, hey, like what's going on? Like the past like five months, I've noticed like a change in you. Like you're like, you're quieter. You're like, you seem down. And then yeah. just kind of down. Like this is what's going on with my hip. Um, I haven't been able to run. And he was like the first person to really kind of be like, well, why haven't you been running? And then I, and I literally, my answer was like, well, because this surgeon told me that if I run, I'm going to make my hip worse. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I really thought that like, um, and he's like, well, let's do like, let me evaluate your hip, you know, instead of can't make any promises, but um, you know, that's, let's see what we find and like if you can get back to running and so yeah. um yeah so because at that point i had actually taken like five to six months off of running yeah, and my yeah. like it wasn't getting better the yeah. rest um and so then like working with him um you know over time like i would say it was probably kind of like a two to three month period where sessions were like every one to two weeks, I eventually like did get back to running, like started running. And at this time again, there's like nothing, this is back in like 2014 going on 2015, not a yeah. lot out there. Yep. So, you know, I remember he had kind of said to me like, well, then you have to be your own experiment. Like, you know, um, if there's nothing out there that really, cause my kind of question was um, like, which to this day is still a million dollar question. Like if you run with a label tear and FAI, like will you make it worse? Right. It's so multifactorial that now, like I know the answer is we don't know. Like yeah. it's it so depends on a lot of things for each individual person. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so I think, so then I was able to get back to running um, and long story short, get back to marathon running. And then eventually like what has really helped me is getting more into triathlon. Yeah. So, um, you know, I actually, my first race back, I guess you, I guess you could say it was in 2015 was a uh, triathlon. Right. Like, 
So kind of getting back into the, the swimming, the biking really helped kind of keep my training more well-rounded. Yeah. So that's amazing. I really, really enjoy just hearing you go through like the whole process because I've just seen this time and time again of like a young woman walks into a doctor's office alone and is told like all of these really scary things. And then it leads to this path of like, I should never do this. I can never do this. And then it, it can really go down this like catastrophizing route. And we need, we need more hope in that space of saying like, yes, you can get back. Right, right. And at least options. options. And I think at least um, like my, I guess now kind of how I approach it in like my, what I wish people could experience like when they do go see a surgeon is that not this idea that like it has to be surgery or physical therapy like it's really like regardless of if you get surgery or not like these patients need physical therapy yeah right like and then i think okay a select few may really benefit from the surgery yeah but there's so many nuances to like who benefits um and to like why someone may have pain that again i think we have to like move away from this argument of like surgery or not and just understand that like for each person it's so it depends on a lot of individual factors yeah and like that being said meaning like i wish that surgeons would kind of tell that to patients like look like you know um kind of telling them like these are the statistics of you know nearly 75 percent of people have labral tears not always the cause of your pain yeah um, you know and saying like you know you can try physical therapy um and yeah kind of approaching it that way instead of like making it like oh you have this condition your hip is doomed like you need surgery to fix it yes so yeah yeah i my like number one advice when a woman is diagnosed with this or is going through this is like have your team i used to have the dream team here but my surgeon is no longer taking new patients and it's like PT I have a physiatrist and then a surgeon and like everyone looks at each other and the the physiatrist looks back to the PT as well as the orthopedic surgeon looks back to the PT to say like I need you to perform this level of physical therapy if they get surgery like it's just such a good um trio to have options and people that are like on your team right right exactly um, how do you feel like this has influenced your career as a physical therapist? Like, did that cause you to go into physical therapy or, well, I guess it happened after, um, yeah. but how has it like changed your, your practice now? Yeah. So then I think like, again, back, this was like 2013, 2014. So, um, like to go on kind of a little tangent, I remember at, um, CSM, like combined section meetings. So for those who are not PTs, it's like this annual conference that's really big. All the PTs kind of in the country, um, you know, are in one spot in one conference center. Anyway, there was a topic on the on the hip. Um, and Mike Raymond specifically, who has been like a great mentor um, to me to manage my own hip, as well as just like um, all the great things he's done for research. So remember like asking this question, like, um, you know, will running with a labral tear, like make your, will running with a labral tear cause hip osteoarthritis? And I remember like his answer was like, we don't know yet. Um, and if I were you, I would keep running. And 
so that kind of like you know um just was re so reassuring to me to kind of hear like okay the top experts in the world still have so many questions about the hip um and from that point on i yeah like i guess from my own journey um started to notice that like friends who had who had labral tears and then like friends of friends were kind of contacting me and you know hearing about my story and asking for advice and then i think that's kind of how like my passion and kind of specialty towards helping yeah um athletes like us with hip issues kind of developed from there um and you probably know this as well like i think uh for patients like, like when they meet someone like us who has a labral tear in fai and they're kind of describing their symptoms like i feel like once they find out that we also have it like it's kind of comforting to them um because yeah. like i know how they feel you know yeah. and yeah so yeah. they need the unique ability to kind of relate to patients and you know um sometimes people will say um you know like oh well you just don't know what this pain is like or like you know and then i'll be like actually you know let me just tell you like i also had you know pretty severe hip pain um and go on from there so. yeah for sure yeah it's been such a game changer and i think the time in which it shows itself um for women is like I mean, it's different for everyone, but like, I would say my like median mean age is like anywhere from like 25 to 40. And that's such a crazy time in women's life where they're like transitioning from, you know, college to their professional life and maybe getting really into a new sport or they're like planning on having kids. Um, and then their body changes with that. So I just think all of those factors plus dealing with this like new thing of like a hip labral tear, FAI, whatever it is, um, is really hard to pin down. So I just, I like having that, um, I don't know, like being kind of in that space with them um, around the same, same age. Right, right. Yeah. And then like that kind of leads to a whole nother um, topic of how, especially for women, like the connection between the hip and pelvic floor. Yeah. Um, so trained in pelvic floor physical therapy, but my coworker and really close friend, whose also name is Sarah, um, Sarah McRag. So she is a pelvic floor specialist and we often share a lot of patients, you know, because a lot of either are coming in with a pelvic floor diagnosis that then, you know, Sarah is like, hey, I think actually it's more of their hip or vice versa. They're coming to me, you know, with a diagnosis of like labral tear, but then we find out, no, maybe this is actually more pelvic floor. Um, that's a really important, important thing that that again there's like not a lot of research currently out there and I think that um what I have seen in clinic too is that if that connection doesn't get diagnosed and say someone goes on to have like a hip arthroscopy for their labral tear and cam morphology but really the cause of their groin pain was actually pelvic floor like that's a reason I think that you know sometimes I'm seeing people that end up having persistent hip pain yeah yeah i mean it's it's literally just right next door to the hip and like if something is going on with the hip it can cause like increased tone or de decreased function in that area and like whether it's the primary cause or the secondary cause um i totally think it's important to be addressed or checked regardless right mm -hmm. um, um 
how has your hip been since? Like, how are you um, able to manage it? What kind of things like are you able to do? Does it bother you from time to time? How is that going? Yeah, so um, it's kind of crazy. I was just thinking about this, like, uh, it's actually going on like 10 years since my hip had started hurting. So I'm pretty, uh, in a way, like pretty, like, proud of that, that I've made it like, you know, because I think initially, that was like a 10 year thing that the surgeon had threatened, like, oh, in 10 to 20 years, like, you know, your hip is going to need hip replacement. And um, I can like, say that I would, I would say that my hip kind of 95% of the time doesn't bother me. Yes. Um, and I honestly, I think that that's a big thing that I try to educate patients on is that I think that's the goal, right? Like, if you know, about Joe Kemp, who is an amazing Australian physiotherapist. She always, you know, in all of her research, always emphasizes like, if you have FAI in a labral tear, even if you have surgery, like your hip is not going to be the same as kind of a hip that never had FAI or labral tear. Yes. So kind of setting that expectation of like, you know, your hip doesn't need to be 100% pain free for it to be a great yep. hip. So say not time like my hip doesn't bother me and it actually feels best when I'm exercising like when I'm swimming biking running right and I think it, this is also common for most people like the time that it bothers me is prolonged sitting yep. really like, I have to go on like an eight-hour flight um or like sitting say like at a um a conference or something sitting all day like yeah. that's a little cranky um but I think now, like having that knowledge and kind of um, understanding like the triggers. So knowing like, hey, if I'm gonna go on an, like an eight hour flight, um, then I know, okay, my hip may feel a little bit stiff, a little bit achy, but when I get there, like I'm gonna do like my mobility and my exercises and like, it will get better. Yeah. Kind yeah. of under just cause you have like a flare up, it's not like the end of the world. Um, and I think that that's something like I emphasize a lot with my patients, like understanding, I'll call it in, in some ways, like a rescue plan, like, Hey, yeah. what are oh, like things, that. things that you can do to kind of decrease like some hip achiness or pain? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And I think the other like big thing is just knowing what positions, um, for like squatting and deadlifting feel good for your yeah. hip. And yep. I think we can't like make generalizations for this, this um, kind of patient population. So um, like squatting, right, is a really kind of, I guess you could say like, lots of people love to debate like stay like in a range that feels good for my hip, like in a, yep. I'd say, pain-free, pain-free range. Mm -hmm. um, and then for deadlifts, I really like using a hex bar yeah. um, or trap bar. So yeah, so I think that's kind of like, I think the biggest thing for people to know is like, it can take a little bit of time for you to figure out like what feels good for your hip and what doesn't and kind of modifying things and knowing when to like, when to back off, right? So I know that deep squats, like loaded deep squats of the weight 
don't feel good, right? So I'm not going to just keep like pushing it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think um, patients can kind of feel like, well, I was able to deep squat like five years ago, you know, why can't I deep squat now? Yeah. And so that can be a, a hard kind of thing to grasp that like, you may have to make modifications in order to keep your hip happy. Yeah. And I'll kind of like the concept of like risk versus benefit. So it's like, you know, with deep squats for me, I know that the risk of kind of flaring up my hip or having pain like is higher. And I know that the benefit is just not there versus I can kind of keep my squats like at 90 degrees or a little bit lower. And then, you know, I have no issues with pinching or pain. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that has been, maybe I'll speak for my patients, but I feel like that's been the most beneficial thing for them is to have someone walk through with them, like a, just a season of life and say, uh, like figure out exactly what their aggravators are. So for some people it's like sitting for some people, maybe it's running three miles and they don't, they haven't developed tolerance to go longer than that. Um, maybe it's just different positions and like being able to modify it and then going forth and living a really full life with these small changes. Right. Yeah. That's been awesome. Um, my final kind of question for you is what advice would you give to anyone that is maybe going through this um, and, and like wants to get back to high level activity? Yeah. So I think the first thing, um, so let's say, let's kind of start at the beginning. So let's say they have hip pain. Um, I would say I would be like, unless there's reason to believe there is a stress fracture, mm -hmm. um, you know, so if there's reason to believe it could be a bone stress injury, which you know, actually a lot of the times when there is like in a runner with hip pain, with groin pain, we do have to really be cautious of that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if they get an MRI, um, understanding that, hey, like we're mostly looking for a bone stress injury and kind of educating them ahead of time. Like it may show you have a labral tear, may show you have cam morphology, but that may not be related to your pain. Yeah. Um, and then like from there also, I think, you know, if you're lucky enough to be working with the patient at the time, but let's say they've already come from kind of the surgeon's office and are told they need surgery. Um, I guess understanding that like, you know, try physical therapy, like try three to six months, you know, um, in Europe and Australia, like the standard of care is actually like closer to like six months to a year, mm -hmm. you know? different kind of here in the US. So understanding that like this condition takes months to get better. Um, and so trying physical therapy, making sure that you're connected with a physical therapist who understands this condition, yep. um, who really kind of specializes in treating the hip. Um, and then from there, like, I think getting if they're going to pursue surgery, like getting a second opinion, um, Again, like this could be another topic, but because when I, I had got a second opinion and like was to offered two different surgeries, you know, so even like the nuances of the hip arthroscopy procedures, yeah, you know, can vary. So I just think that you have to kind of get a second, maybe even third opinion and really understand like the risk versus benefits. Um, last thing I'll say is like, I think oftentimes when we think of 
hip arthroscopy, um, we think of it as intended to kind of like repair the labrum or like, you know, fix the hip, but we yeah. forget there's actually like iatrogenic kind of consequences of the surgery mm -hmm. um, that could make your hip worse or kind of uh, cause like the cascade of arthritis to occur. So I guess just understanding, like it's not like a hip arthroscopy is like an easy surgery to recover from. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you don't, because I think unfortunately it's kind of advertises that, you know, like as like, oh, this will fix your hip and you'll be okay. But I wish that it was that simple. And I guess clinically what I've seen is that like, you know, people still end up having problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I like that. Just having like a really good understanding of the risk and the benefits of all aspects. And then I think once you've really made or once you've seen everything, like you'll know, like I've just talked to so many women and they're like, I just knew that I didn't want to have surgery or like I knew that this, the surgery was for me and like I'll support whatever decision they want to make because ultimately that is what's going to get them better. It's what they believe is going to get them better. Yes, totally. And I think that that's an important thing too, like um, knowing that like you know your body best and kind of like if just finding people that will support you like even you know like that's kind of what i'll say to my patients like you know your body best like if if you feel that like surgery is best for you then maybe it is you know and just support them with whatever they decide yeah yes for sure um okay my final final question for you is where can we get more from you are you um, so where's the best place to access you if we want to see you as a patient or are you on any podcasts or websites or anything? Sure. So people can reach out to me um, either on here or you can go to my website, which is plasptperformance.com. Um, I have done a few other podcasts. Um, it's also linked on my website. Um, I was on the Runner's Own podcast with Chris Johnson uh, and then the Run Smarter podcast with Brody Sharp. And then if you're a physical therapist, I was also on the JOSBT Insights podcast, Claire Ardern, Dr. Claire Ardern. So. Very nice. Awesome. Awesome. And then in Chicago, do you treat um, like concierge or do you have a practice? Yeah. So my practice is mobile. Okay. Um, so um, yeah, so I go to the, to the patient. Um, and then if you're in Illinois, I can also offer virtual therapy. Um, yeah. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lindsay, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, you're like a wealth of knowledge, and I'm excited that you're in Chicago, and I can refer any of my Chicago people to you. Uh, thank you so much, Sarah. Thanks for having me on. Yes, of course. I will talk. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Legacy Running. If you haven't already, please share this out so more people can start to build their legacy. If you would like to work with me, Dr. Sarah, check out strategywithsarah.com and get access to schedule a time to chat about returning to run pain, injury, or fear-free. There's more info on how to connect in the show notes as well. I look forward to talking with you soon. And remember, how you show up matters.